0: I'm Mark Angelos, and welcome to episode nine of the Emerging Managers Exchange podcast. Today, we're going to explore why Malta is growing as a domicile of choice for emerging managers. To help guide us today, I'm joined by industry veteran Rebecca Schwerimp. Rebecca is business development and corporate services manager at Bank of Valletta Group. Bank of Valletta is the oldest established financial services provider in Malta. Rebecca, thank you for joining today. Thank you, Mark. So, I guess we'll start at the easy. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about the Bank of Valletta and your role within it?
1: Yes, of course. Um, so, Bank of Aletta, as you correctly mentioned, is one of the uh, largest banking groups in, in Malta. Um, established in 1974, um, the bank I mean, offers services that range from the traditional banking services, so we're talking about deposits and, and loans, all the way through to credit facilities, bank assurance, and has even established itself today as a pioneer in the asset management and fund space as well. In fact, the Bank of valletta Group is composed of three companies. There's the um, Bank of valletta PLC, which is the bank proper. And then there are two subsidiaries that are focused entirely in um, the investment space. And these are BOV Asset Management, which was set up in 1995 as a usage management company which today manages over 1 billion in euros in assets under management which are spread across 17 funds and uh, these funds are primarily distributed locally um, through the bank's branch network of around 40 branches throughout the Maltese islands now, initially, these um, these funds that I'm talking about, the banks' proprietary funds, they were administered in-house at BOV asset management itself. However, in the 2000s, in the early 2000s, there were some developments on the local front, insofar as um, introduction of fund regimes, and we can talk a bit about these these later, because I I believe they're still very relevant. And um, this actually led to the internationalization of Malta as a fund industry. So at that point, uh, we saw as a group that there were some opportunities to start providing our uh, administrative services with the expertise that we had gained from administering our in-house funds and start offering these services to third parties. And that is essentially how B.O.B. Fund Services, which is the company I represent, how, how the company was born. Um, today, if we look at the BOV fund services, today, Malta's leading fund services provider, and uh, we administer just short of 3 billion euro in, in assets, which represents roughly around 15% of the local market share in Malta. And the services that we provide range from the traditional pure administration. So let's say the calculation of the net asset value of the funds, uh, maintenance of shareholder registry and transfer agency, accounting and um, financial statements all the way to company secretarial services, registered office, regulatory reporting, anti-money laundering support, and all the back office needs and requirements for locally based funds. And additionally, in the step before that, we also um, provide what we call a one-stop turnkey solution to the setting up of funds and asset management operations in Malta. So when a fund manager or a fund promoter approaches us with their plans to establish a fund in Malta, We organize and handle the entire process. So we liaise with the regulator throughout the pre and post application stages, the legal team in drafting the application and offering documentation, the clients themselves, of course, and all involved counterparties. So at Be Services, we see ourselves as more than just administrators. We are sort of, we go beyond that. We are partners. We handle our clients' entire needs so that we can allow them to focus their full attention on their competence, which is managing The fund to grow and make it successful, because ultimately it's a they succeed, we succeed type of thing.
0: That's terrific. I think the fund regimes and internationalization was it really sets the context. So I'll pose the question, Rebecca, what makes Malta the domicile of choice for emerging fund managers?
1: Well, perhaps it's all down to the beautiful weather. <laughs> um, uh, no, um, <laughs> yeah. no, just 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 kidding. I mean, it is a lovely place, and in fact, Malta is commonly known for tourism, the climate, sea, culture, art, history, and so on. But uh, while all this and tourism is indeed a strong economic contributor. Maltese economy really is quite diversified, going from advanced manufacturing and IT to transportation and logistics, health and life sciences, international education, and undoubtedly, of course, financial services as well. In fact, this this financial services is one of the fastest growing sectors of the Maltese economy, with a contribution of between 11 to 12 percent of the country's GDP, and no less than 10,000 people working within the industry, which may sound like a small number, but on an island with a population of just about half a million, 10,000 people is not exactly insignificant. And if we look at what allowed for Malta's financial sector to reach such a level, I mean, there's a lot that one may look at. Perhaps most notably some very important inroads that have been made over the past few decades moving from an offshore to an onshore jurisdiction in the 1990s, the introduction of particular fund legislation, which is particularly appealing to emerging fund managers, um, which very introduction, as I mentioned a bit earlier, led to the internationalization of Omota's fund industry, specifically to the joining of the EU in 2004, the adoption of the euro then in 2008, and of course, with that came the implementation of the various EU directives as well. Now all this has led to Malta's position today in 2022, where, as we mentioned, financial services is a major economic enabler with a strong international presence as well. Now, Mark, you asked me, you know, what makes Malta the domicile of choice? Yeah, and I mean, when I get asked this question, or, you know, to give the one factor or the unique selling point of Malta as a domicile, I can't just think of one single factor because the reality is that it's a number of factors which, when put together, create this package called Malta and make it quite an interesting and compelling one, particularly for the... Uh, Small to medium-sized and emerging managers. If we look at you know factors like the robust legislative framework, the single accessible regulator that we have, the Malta Financial Services Authority, cost competitiveness of the island as a jurisdiction things like time to market considerations, flexible solutions, double taxation treaties that we have in place with various other other countries, investments regimes that cater for all types um, of investors and investment strategies, the pro-business approach and the can-do mindset of the industry, the fact that we are a mun- multilingual um uh, jurisdiction, English is a national. Is a sorry. We have Maltese as our national language and English as another official language. And the majority of the population speaking Italian quite fluently as well and other languages too. The fact that it's a central time zone and location, stable economy. I mean, I could go on because the list really does go on here. But uh, <laughs> that, that's a terrific
0: rundown. It. That's that. Those are all very. Great
1: points. In fact, uh, today, thanks to all these these factors, Malta hosts over 500 investment funds with assets in excess of 20 billion euros across across these funds, which has increased significantly if we look at even just the past few years alone. Also, there are over 100 asset managers that are present and licensed in Malta, which these collectively then manage over 100 billion euros in assets, both in Malta and overseas. So you have 20 billion, which is the size of the funds that are domiciled in Malta. But if you look at the asset managers that are present in Malta collectively, they manage in excess of 100 billion euros. Now for emerging managers in particular, this is the niche, this is the environment that Malta has built over the years as a fund industry. We're not everything to everyone, and we do not pretend to be. But we have created this niche that fits well for the emerging and medium-sized managers. And thus, as as an industry, consequently, we also have built a vast experience in working with such type of managers themselves. Looking at the size of the industry, again, to the fact that our clients are not just treated as a, as a number, but as I said earlier about BOV about one services, we at least like to see ourselves as more than just administrators. We see ourselves kind of too as partners to an extent because we assist our clients in finding the best tailored solutions for the funds or, and projects. We provide the necessary handholding when this may be the case with an emerging manager who doesn't have experience with setting up um, funds, if that is necessary. And uh, we allow them to, to grow. Like I said before, it's ultimately a they succeed, we succeed type of, type of thing. And then there's the fact that Malta also boasts specifically legislation that caters specifically to the emerging managers and even platform solutions where where these are necessary. All these are additional factors that are more specific to emerging managers and paired together with all the other factors that I was listing earlier. This positions Malta as a leading domicile of choice. They all together really do create the right environment, at least in my opinion, and especially, again, for these medium-sized and emerging managers.
0: So then that's terrific. Thank you, Rebecca. To drill down then, what are the major items say that an emerging manager should know if they are looking to set up in Malta?
1: Yes. Well, earlier I alluded to, I mentioned that there is a particular piece of legislation, right, that's specifically suited to to emerging managers that was introduced in the year 2000, and um, as I said, was in fact what enabled the internationalization of Malta as as a fund domicile. Here I was speaking about what we call the Professional Investor Fund regime, or the PIF regime for short. Now, Of course, we know that Malta is a member of the EU, and it has been for almost two decades now. So, of course, with the EU being the level playing field that it is, one will find the same legislative directives when it comes to funds as in every other EU member state. So, here we're talking about the UCIT, for example, or the AIFMD. This is pretty much the same in every EU jurisdiction. However, notwithstanding that there is this level playing field, Malta was able to... Nevertheless, introduce and maintain its homegrown regulation, including the Professional Investor Fund. So, PIFs, what they are, essentially are a fund typology that is available to alternative managers with less than €100 million in assets under management or less than €500 million if these are unleveraged and with a lockup period of five years. So what I'm quoting here are the exemptions to the AIFMD. So the AIFMD at European level um, applies to managers that either manage over €100 million or over €500 million in the case of unleveraged funds with a a lockup period of five years so the PIF regime is available to those managers falling out of scope of this european directive and thus it caters specifically for those small to medium-sized funds that wish to operate in an environment of less heavy regulation it's a lighter regime with less onerous obligations increased flexibilities and hence as a result also increased cost efficiencies All the while, still renowned for its robustness. Until today, this is a tried and tested model. It continues to prove popular, particularly, of course, among the emerging managers and fund promoters. And if we look at Malta's business book, um, around 50% or thereabouts of the funds that are established in Malta are indeed established as professional investor funds. Because here we're talking about a regime that has no investment restrictions, no leverage restrictions, no diversification requirements. It can host all alternative investment strategies, so from your plain vanilla funds to real estate, private equity, high-frequency trading trading, distressed debt and so on, even cryptocurrencies as well. Uh, There's even no requirement to appoint a depository bank, so uh, what is actually required are safekeeping arrangements that need to be in place, and again, not necessarily in Malta because these are most often um, sought in the same jurisdiction as where the assets are, are placed. Professional investor funds, interestingly, can also be set up as self-managed funds and quite simply. So there's no need to go through the process of setting up and obtaining a license for a fund management company or appointing an external fund management company to carry out the investment management. But one could opt, if they wish, to set up the fund in a self-managed format with an investment committee having three or more members within the fund itself. And that can essentially uh, be responsible for the day-to-day investment management running of the fund. So all this makes the PIF regime so flexible, yet at the same time robust. Like I said, it's been around for over 20 years. Uh, it's tried and tested various options and possibilities. And uh, yeah, we continue to see to see good uh, popularity and good um, interest in, in such regime. But if we fast forward to where we are, where we are today, there's another more recent example, uh, say, of the innovation and homegrown regulation of Malta, and this was the implementation of the notified AIF regime, whereby operators may set up an EU alternative investment fund. Now I'm talking about a fund that is regulated under the AI, AIFMD. So, um, but such can be set up within a maximum time frame of 10 days. So it's a solution that proves ideal for managers who might already have investors lined up or perhaps investment opportunities which are time sensitive. Um, So in that case, they wouldn't be able to afford the lengthy authorization timelines of a fully authorized authorized vehicle because what happens in this case is that since a notified AFE is a product um, under the AIFMD, it can only be structured and managed through a full scope licensed alternative investment fund manager. And in this case, what the Malta Financial Services Authority said is sort of we have a piece of EU, strong and relatively heavy. Legislation that regulates the manager, so the AIFM. Thus, as opposed to also going through a similar heavy process in regulating the products of such managers with a notified AIF, the MFSA is placing reliance on the manager, on the regulated AIFM, for all the due diligence of the functionaries and services providers to ensure that everything is in place in line with the AIFMD and so on. So, this can drastically shorten the setup period. All in all, you would need about two to four weeks to have the documentation drafted and to collect all the required due diligence and then a 10-day notification period to the regulator and there you have it, the fund can launch. So, again, it's another popular solution for those looking for a quick access to the EU market with a product that can be marketed and distributed across the EU, thanks, of course, to the passport under AIFMD. And it's not to say that the small to medium and emerging managers or those that are not licensed under the AFMD cannot have access to such structures, because in fact, there are a number of fund management platforms, for example, which offer exactly this, whereby the AFM will set up the fund on behalf of the promoters, of course, having conducted the necessary and appropriate due diligence to a satisfactory degree. And there are a number of ways in which then the promoters themselves, if this is ultimately their goal, can be involved in the day-to-day and investment management running of things. So this is, of course, agreed and negotiated with the appointed AFIM, but it could involve employment in portfolio management directly or even advisory or research. Of course, it's heavily Depends on the promoters themselves, whether they are licensed in some way, shape or form, their preference, experience, competence, outcome of the due diligence assessment and so on. But let's say it's another popular solution for the emerging managers who might want to access the market quickly and benefit from the AFMD passport to distribute within the EU.
0: Rebecca, you mentioned something I wanted to just tug at a bit. As we watch the rise of cryptocurrency as a global asset class, I'm curious mm-hmm. your opinion of Malta's regulatory view of the crypto assets.
1: Mm-hmm. But from the regulatory view, it's, it's, um, it's a different opinion, let's say, a bit to the practical view. And, and I'll explain because when... There was this uh, crypto era or crypto boom, if you if you will. Malta saw it as yet another opportunity to welcome a new and innovative industry to complement its already flourishing financial services sector. In fact, Malta was, I believe, the first jurisdiction to, en- to enact a comprehensive legislative package, which was actually aimed at creating a regulatory ecosystem in which the industry could uh, could operate. For example, the Virtual Financial Assets Act, which was implemented to create legal certainty as to the classification of every DLT asset. So it provides a licensing regime and a regulated environment for for such assets that are classified as virtual financial assets. At the same time, uh, there were also related tax guidelines, which were introduced. So again, there was a bit more clarity that might be lacking in other environments. And this was also complemented with the introduction of the Innovative Technology Arrangements and Services Act and the Malta Digital Innovation Authority Act as well. And even Malta's financial services regulator, the MFSA, had at the time devised a fintech strategy with a vision to establish Malta as an international fintech hub, which supports and enables financial services providers to, you know, infuse technology and products and service offerings to drive innovation. And the strategy was, of course, very well received by the local industry, and it even led to implementations such as the MFSA fintech regulatory sandbox, which is a project whereby operators can test their innovation for a period of time under some prescribed conditions now when it comes to funds specifically the mfsa also quite proactively it also updated the professional investor fund rulebook to also cater for and allow such funds to invest in virtual financial assets so this even led So a number of funds beginning to invest either exclusively in cryptocurrencies, for instance, and um, as is also becoming increasingly common, perhaps soon also even mainstream, to have some exposure to such crypto assets, even if it's directly or indirectly within the larger portfolio. Now, as I said in, in the beginning, I do have to say that even though from the regulatory standpoint, crypto was welcomed and regulations were introduced or amended to, to cater for such and to provide the clarity that, that might be necessary, and we are indeed clearly seeing a number of players in the funds world as well who have entered this space. However, some of the larger and perhaps more traditional institutions, Bank of Valletta included, are not yet offering the full spectrum of their services to cater for such operations and this would be due to the lack of certainty and certain associated and perceived risks in this space
0: Hmm. that's actually quite interesting it makes me wonder your thoughts on the future with regards to Maltese banking and asset management
1: well from the wider economic view it's expected that the Maltese economy will uh, soon reach pre-pandemic levels. I mean, by the end of this year, we have a forecasted GDP of about six percent, which is two points, two percentage points above the EU average. In terms of the fund industry itself, one of the major contributors to to all these developments um, and the and the positive factors that we've mentioned throughout this discussion is undoubtedly the pro-business industry that we operate in with the can-do mindset of the industry in collaboration, of course, with an accessible and equally pro-business, yet at the same time, of course, importantly, a very robust financial services regulator. So the MFSA, all the important inroads that Malta has made, especially by way of innovation and in being nimble enough as a jurisdiction to stay ahead of the curve are, in my view, well, they are steadily set to continue. We have a number of proposals for new products, regimes, some particularly appealing again to emerging managers, which, as I mentioned, is one of Malta's sweet spots, the niche, if you will. These are already on the table being introduced. So. From the adaptation a few years back now, of the professional investor fund regime to also cater for investments into virtual financial assets and cryptocurrencies to the more recent widening of the notified AIF regime that essentially allows now for all investment types and strategies. And going forward, you know, there are many exciting things, I believe, for the industry and the pipeline, including a notified BIF, uh, registered de minimis, uh, out-of-scope AFIM registration, amendments to the taxation on other collective investment scheme rule books other homegrown regulations as well and and so much more so the industry is constantly developing the picture you see today is not the picture that you will see you know in a a year's time or or even more down the line it's constantly developing constantly growing it is still stable it's still robust but it's always adapting to the realities of the world and the new environments that financial services is constantly setting, setting to us so the industry, like I said, is constantly developing and all, all of this, I believe, really sets the jurisdiction up well for an even brighter future ahead. I'd like to to thank you as well for, for having this discussion and um, also to thank Finance Malta for providing us with the opportunity to uh, to speak about this today.
0: Well, I applaud Malta and Bank of Letta as well for the forward-thinking innovations that have led to this. Rebecca, I want to thank you for joining me and sharing your insights into the Maltese landscape um and also what the fund manager should know about these developments i also want to thank our listeners for supporting this podcast remember that you can find out more about rebecca and the bank of Valletta in the show notes if you enjoyed this conversation i'd ask you to please leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app i'm mark angelos and this is the emerging managers exchange podcast thank you for listening and good luck out there